Uh, let's go ahead, jump in. I will go do the thing that I do, wave to uh, Solus PLC on YouTube. Thank you guys for continuing to uh, to join us. We always love kind of the different conversations that we get to have on the YouTube channel versus uh, on, on the LinkedIn and everyone uh, currently, uh, yeah, everyone currently uh, watching on there. Vlad, before we jump into um, honorable mention themes, uh, do you want to say hi to everyone? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess one thing I will add is, as you can see by my background, we are not streaming from home base. So if there are any uh, sound things we need to correct, please let us know. I do see a few people saying hello. Uh, Hank, uh, Zach said hello as well. Uh, so everything seems to be good on our end. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the stream. I think it's going to be really interesting. Again, I think uh, and me and Dave discussed this in the past. We should be doing recaps a little bit more, I want to say, uh, sequentially after each month. But maybe that's something mm -hmm. we can do in 2023. So if you enjoy these types of conversations, again, you can uh, certainly write to us on LinkedIn and on the YouTube event. And we'll make sure to answer your questions, thoughts, and comments. And uh, yeah, if you like this type of content, make sure to let us know. And it looks like Zach already is asking a uh, question he's saying wait dave you let the ai out of the base there you go that's that's the so, ongoing so joke. so so zach th there is no proof that he's not just with a different virtual background all we know is that he has a different background but eerily similar headphones and a blurred screen that that's that's all we know so so for anyone who uh, who hasn't uh kind of caught this inside joke over the last year or year and a half I forget if it was it was certainly Zach and I had a conversation um, on his show, um, but it's been an ongoing joke that uh, that Vlad is just some sort of artificial intelligence because he and I have somehow 90 shows in now not made it to be in, in the same room um, in person. So so there is no proof that, uh, that that Vlad is not some sort of artificial intelligence, although if you are some sort of artificial intelligence, Vlad. I commend you for being in a better lit room with an actual window as, as, <laughs> as compared to, I don't know, uh, 10,000 PLCs that, uh, that, that you normally are. Uh, but there no, go. uh, our, our goal is to, our goal is to have fun with this and, uh, and wanting to talk a little bit about a recap. Uh, the first thought was, Hey, we could go recap the, the dozen themes that we had. Uh, but to the point Vlad alluded to, uh, if we were to go recap the dozen themes that we had, we would be here until next year. Uh, because that's just how long recaps of things like this, uh, uh, things like this take. So each of us picked two or three kind of honorable mentioned themes and we'll, we'll go kind of talk about a couple of points that we had. I will say, that for me, the, the show is the best 90 minutes or two hours th that I get to have every week. It is generally always fun. And, and if we weren't having fun and having great conversations with great guests, uh, we would probably find some other way to go spend a couple of hours every week. But I would say that, that the fun just continues on that upward trend. Um, so with, with that, I'm going to throw out kind of my first honorable mention theme uh, with the caveat of if you are not specifically called out as a guest or, or any of those things. Um, we, we apologize. Uh, we, we apologize that we did not and, and could not go through every single one. Perhaps, as Vlad said, 2023 will be the year that we go through and uh, do slightly better job recapping those themes, which has only been something we've talked about, I don't know, four dozen times at this point, Vlad. So um, with that, kind of kind of kicking it off, one of the 
one of my kind of honorable mention themes is kind of IIoT or introductory to IIoT. It was one of those that it was episode 64 to 66 and it became a, hey, we should really have a conversation about the Internet of Things and the industrial Internet of Things. I'm not particularly sure how this, as many other themes, took us so long to get to, but episodes 64 to 66, uh, they were all kind of jam-packed and, and very interesting. So we, we kicked off with Robert Tiffany, um, and then we we had Ira Sharp on, and then Caleb Eastman, and then we finished with Arlen Nipper. And, and I would say kind of every single one of those shows were different. And with them being different, we just had so much really, really good information. One of... I, I guess kind of one of the, the top things that has stuck with me throughout the entire year is something that, that Rob had said, uh, right? So, so Rob had made the comment uh, talking about sustainability and talking about uh, agriculture of, hey, if we're going to go put smart sensors and smart devices into, in, into agriculture, right? And if we only need one device every acre and a device only takes kind of an hour to put up, if we've got 10,000 or 100,000 acres, it's it's a lot of time, right? It's a lot of time. And so he had kind of made the, the conversation point around, hey, we need to, to have this kind of new breed of technician uh, talking about how IoT or IIoT is basically kind of like the industrial plumbing. And we need people who understand how to use that, how to deploy these sensors. And we if we want to be successful, are basically going to need an entire fleet of people in order to go help drive that forward. And so I, I thought that that was a really compelling conversation uh, that we had. And I feel like we asked that question uh, through the rest of the uh, through the rest of the group and the, the rest of the people that we talked to. And overall, it was it was very good. Uh, Vlad, did you have any other specific thoughts on that theme? Yeah, I guess like to me, you know, IIoT is an interesting, is always an interesting conversation. Again, having, I want to say a, a fairly technical background, I would add that it's closely related, at least in my mind, to what you would call Industry 4.0 and edge mm -hmm. devices as well that we've talked about throughout the year. Um, I think the conversations were certainly interesting. I think there's going to be challenges going forward. And we'll talk about this maybe uh, when we kind of wrap up with some of the manufacturer-centric uh, conversations that I'm interested in having as well today. But I, I think what I'm trying to say is that there's the, these challenges from a tech standpoint, but also from a human mm -hmm. standpoint in many industries, right? It's IIoT, it could be in robotics, uh, edge devices. We need more experts that understand, I want to say, like mm -hmm. these fields and not necessarily very intimately. I think the, the mistake that we often make is that they need to be like full on experts. And as you mentioned, the example for like Rob Tiffany, we need more people that just know how to install these devices and troubleshoot these devices, right? And know how to just manage a fleet of IIoT yeah. or whether that is, you know, like drones for farmlands, whether it is yeah. sensors, uh, there's just, the, I think, a lack of personnel. But I, that's why I like these conversations because I think they revealed kind of like different challenges, right? And in the conversation with Ira, we also kind of uncovered some of the challenges that an OEM is facing right now and, mm -hmm. and again, we can dive into supply chain a little bit more, but ultimately it, it's a different challenge that is also IIoT based, but from an OEM standpoint, right? So I think it's certainly interesting conversations. And Arlen, I've mentioned him on my side as well. Uh, I wrote History of Control Systems and Arlen Nipper because mm -hmm. I think 
someone who at least works in this field of uh, uh, again automation it's important to understand the backgrounds of some of these technologies and i think mm-hmm. the conversation with arlen was very interesting for that reason because well number one he came up with mqtt but ultimately it is a mm-hmm. protocol that's picking up steam right now it's very intertwined i want to say into iot industry 4.0 uh, edge devices, whatever that may be. And so it's it's really interesting, but also, I think, insightful to understand how it came to be and what challenges it actually mm-hmm. solves. Absolutely. I, I would agree with that. Uh, as I said, I think all of those conversations are were very good. They all have unique perspectives. And, and that, that is one of my favorite things about these themes is we get so many people with so many unique perspectives uh you kind of alluded to kind of history of control systems which was the first theme that we kicked off 2022 with do you want to talk about uh do do we want to move into uh do we want to move into that one uh yeah i guess i could uh take a few uh make a few notes on that so we had a good conversation with benson during that theme where he kind of walked us through the history of opto 22 but also electronics and automation devices in general I really like that theme because, again, I think our podcast is all about Mm -hmm. these different technologies, but also what kind of problems they solve for manufacturers. So I think it was very interesting for me to have those conversations and, again, understand how these technologies came to be because I want to say I'm fairly, well, fairly new to the industry. I have a decade in manufacturing and in some aspects it is new. And so someone who's been there since the 90s and can explain very well like why let's say like ethernet was not adopted in the early ages and then Mm -hmm. how that transformation came to be and referring to a company like alan bradley that had you know control net device net and then slowly transitioned to ethernet ip and how that transition like took place i think was very insightful and interesting and also provides a perspective of you know how you can how to say, not necessarily adopt, but how you can look and evaluate these newer technologies that are coming up and what um, what decisions need to be made from a manufacturer's standpoint based on historical events. Absolutely. I would agree with that. I I, I loved the history of control systems uh, overall, a, a completely as a theme. Um, one of my favorite things that, that Benson had brought up was specifically about Opto 22, and, and he kind of helped parallel what opto was doing uh especially with, with a lot of like what cellular systems and and things like that and how they can monitor energy and how they can monitor data and how that was used and and ethernet ip and kind of the protocol uh, wars of the 90s and, and early 2000s but one of my favorite comments that benson made was, was about opto hardware right and how all ho- how all opto hardware is tested to 200% right so, so that they go not only do they go test everything, but they go, they take it up to the kind of the highest temperature to make sure it runs at the highest temperature, but then they also take it down to the lowest temperature to make sure that it runs at the lowest temperature. So all, I guess at least I know all, all solid state realize that, that they sell and continue to sell are all tested to 200%, which I love. Um, I don't remember if it was a week or a couple of weeks ago. I saw someone making a comment about VFDs um and the comment was something to the extent of hey we had a vfd it came in from one of the big guys and we we ran it up to the top and it worked and then we powered it off and and, uh shut the line down and kind of restarted the line and it wouldn't come back up 
And the the assumption was that it was a manufacturer's defect because they probably if they tested it, they probably tested it all the way up once and they didn't go through and and recycle the power to uh, to make sure it came back up. So I thought that that was uh, thought that that was was very interesting. Um, I would absolutely suggest that anyone who is interested to go back and, and take a listen to history of control systems. Uh, Vlad in the show notes doesn't have the the episode numbers, um, so we will go in the show notes to the podcast. If you guys are listening in podcast form, go make notes of the uh, go make notes of the shows in there, and we will go drop them on the uh, on, on the LinkedIn and the. YouTube uh, on the YouTube uh, live streams as well. Um, I- I'm going to move to uh, to roundtables. So I-, I had a bunch of fun doing roundtables and everyone will say, Dave, did you have fun doing the roundtables because Vlad wasn't there for half of them? And I'll say, no, it was uh, it was fun overall. Um, I-, I did. We, we, we So Vlad and I had a really great safety roundtable, which was episode 75. Uh, with Zach Stank uh, and John Pillar. I think Zach is, is still in the show. Zach, this is, I think, his third show um, that, that he managed to uh, to make it on. And we had a uh, we, we had a great conversation. Uh, Zach and I have joked not only about Vlad being an artificial intelligence, but we've also joked for, I don't know, a year or more that, hey, we need to have a safety conversation, right? Like safety is important. Zach's background is in safety. Uh, some large extent of John's background is in safety. John has helped write numerous regulations. Uh, yeah, John has helped write numerous regulations. And I'm like, guys, I'd love to have a, a safety conversation. I don't know if we can have four shows that are all about safety and just everyone is not asleep and drooling by like halfway through show two, because sometimes safety is safety is important. It's just maybe not the most exciting thing in the world. So, so we had a grand conversation and a safety roundtable, table um, and kind of one of the learnings that, that I have t- taken from this year and we are planning kind of sneak peek for uh, for next year is we're going to do some more safety or maybe not even necessarily safety, but we're going to do some more roundtables because because uh, we, we just have a, a bunch of fun uh, with those. And also talking about roundtables, we had a well, Vlad was on vacation, uh, but while Vlad was on vacation, Karim, uh, our, our the, the man behind all of us uh, who does all of the back end stuff and make sure that all the visuals look good. Uh, shout out to Karim if you're, you're listening to this part of the podcast. Thank you. Um, but but Karim and I went on and we had a conversation uh, about supply chain, uh, supply chain woes and all of that with Nikki Gonzalez and Sarah Scudder. And uh, that, that was a really fun conversation. It's not just like, hey, this is where we are, but what can we do in order to help kind of alleviate those problems? Is it going to get better? Is it going to get better anytime soon? And so, again, uh, maybe the quickest hour we spent over the course of, of the entire year just kind of going through that, bam, bam, bam. Uh, and I would absolutely suggest uh, taking a listen to that, which is episode uh, 76. Vlad, any thoughts on the safety roundtable? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the conversation was a very interesting, right? I think the, for me at least, what uh, truly stands out, I think, and that's what manufacturing hub like aims to be as well, is having maybe the theoretical knowledge, but also kind of uncovering what's really happening in the field. Right. And that's where me and John maybe had a couple of debates. And I certainly, you know, I cannot talk to all of his experience in the field, but I could tell you that things are not as they seem in in standards, at least. Right. I can, I can make that comment. And I guess what I've seen in safety circuits, oh. it's uh, 
and I think like it's important to have these conversations, right? Like to some extent, because mm-hmm. ultimately we are not uh, we are not I want to say like manufacturers. We are not OEM, so we want to talk to the the reality or the nature mm-hmm. I want to say of uh, uh, of some of these things and how engineers are approaching these different challenges. What it takes to again, like what is the I want to say the standard, then what is the legality, and then what is the reality in the field, right? And so uh, there's a lot of, I don't want to say like gray areas, but I think there's maybe different approaches to um, how, let's say when you modernize equipment, then you need to upgrade the safety to a certain level, but that doesn't necessarily mean that what was done in, let's say, the 80s and 90s is inadmissible on the plant floor right so there's a lot of these like kind of nuances to what you might see uh in reality versus what is in the best practices in the current standard so i think like that's very interesting for me because again i've been to various sites of different i want to say caliber would be maybe the Mm -hmm. right word uh and so that's why those conversations were particularly interesting for me Agreed. And then I would say if anyone wants to listen to Vlad and John kind of sort of mostly debate as to what an e-stop is, please go back and listen to uh, to episode 75. And then you will see me exasperatedly say, guys, didn't we agree that we were not going to argue about e-stops uh, g- going going into this? But no, it, it was it was a raucous good conversation. Um, and I think everyone agrees that while best case scenario uh, we have really good regulations and everyone designs and builds and runs up to those regulations that may or may not be true in, in every facility. Yep. Uh, no, absolutely. Uh, Vlad, you you have robotics as one of your, your mentionable themes. Um, and, and I thought that, that that was a great theme. We had so much fun w- with that. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, so I guess traditionally, you know, maybe – painting a, a better picture of my experience, I've worked on robotics applications, but I've never been the robot programmer, right? So I've always been the guy who integrates a robotic cell into like an application. And I would be primarily focused on the like the PLC, the HMI, and then just the overall uh, kind of like plant readiness for that robotic cell. And so for me, the interesting conversation was, you know, what it takes to commission some of these projects. I think uh, we had that conversation Mm -hmm. Uh, with multiple guests we also had the conversation of what it takes to program them from a fundamental level so not just Mm -hmm. you know what you would see uh, in a fanic i think it's corel and even easier tools nowadays that you can use to kind of position that robot arm but going to the like cartesian plane level uh, i think it was the the professor from ets from academic right that he's uh, consulting for academic or as part of the team and uh, he explained like what it takes to build an arm from ground up. And I think like having, again, an appreciation for the the craft and I want to say the mathematics, I guess the linear algebra that it that goes into mm-hmm. that was really interesting. Uh, but also, you know, the on the other side, like the perspective of what happens again, like in the industry, uh, we had conversations about cobots. We had conversations about robots. We had conversations mm-hmm. about novel uh, remember, it was arms that like grip. Uh, it was like with multiple joints. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it was like a very interesting conversation again, because for me, it's something that I've not touched personally, but I'm mm-hmm. familiar with, you know, maybe at a certain distance with how it operates. But just getting that information from the experts 
in the field was uh, very insightful. And I'm, to be honest with you, uh, and, and this is a conversation we've also had multiple times, right? We would like to have more robotics discussions. I think that uh, the industry of robotics has certainly grown based on at least the numbers and the charts that I've seen for 2022. I think it might slow down a little bit in 2023, but it's still going to be growing because of labor shortages. And again, we, we might have a discussion on that a little bit more extensively later. But what I'm trying to say is, I think it would be interesting to have more robotics specific experts on the show and truly understand what happens in the field. My comment, as I've made even on uh, some of those shows, is that I mm -hmm. see a lot at trade shows, but I don't necessarily have a complete pulse on the industry. You know, what's really working for integrators? Is it the newer yeah. uh, cobots? Like how they're integrated? I see applications, I read about them, and uh, I certainly have an understanding. But again, having someone with a true like robotics experience, and I think. Uh, we do have a few contacts in mind that you will bring in in 2023 to talk to us about that. Absolutely. I, I would agree with that. I, I think that it was it was really fun, right? Robotics. I feel like we got all of the ranges. Um, we had David Nichols over at Loop, and those guys at that point in time, I think, had the largest ABB robotic arm available in their yep. facility i think i saw an unbox in which they unbox an even bigger one um and they like do fun things like smash pumpkins on it right and then mm -hmm. Ilian from from academic they have the world's smallest robot and so, so we had like literally the biggest you can possibly go with the most uh, most payload capacity down to the smallest and uh and i'm trying to get vlad one of those so he can like scratch his neck with it uh, live during the show like a little <laughs> back stretcher uh back gripper arm uh, which would absolutely be super fun and then we had people with kind of wild varying views right we had people who developed specific applications um, yeah, and, and they, they would do kind of just a whole bunch of one-offs. And then we had Shane Dietrich and he came on and they, I believe, had taken private equity money and their goal was to kind of build uh, kind of products around what, what these robots look like. And so I, I thought it was super fun. Um, we had people who loved cobots. We had people who hated cobots. So I think that in, in four and a half or five hours uh, worth of, worth of listen time, that that's about as, as wide a group and views as we could possibly get. And, and to Vlad's point, I absolutely agree that in my mind, robotics is going to be a theme that, that we dive back into. Uh, I, there have been a couple of weeks where I've talked to like six people and all six of these people are in some way, you know, part of robotics, be it doing uh, kind of uh, used machines or machines or robots as a service. I think that there are a ton of conversations to have and we will absolutely continue to have uh, th these conversations. Um, and then Vlad and I kind of kind of share kind of uh mention of theme uh number three on here um cybersecurity right so, so we had a bunch of really good cybersecurity conversations um this year we we actually had seven right so episode 47 through 50 and then 81 through 83 all were kind of just generally talking about cybersecurity and Vlad, as I go back and listen to them, um, I think to myself, man, they were two wildly different groups of conversations, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm um, on the most recent one. 
We had Pascal Ackerman come on um, and he was talking about volume two of the book he had. And then we had Grant Vandebreek and then Michael Lewis come on, talk about offensive and then defensive cybersecurity, which was really interesting, especially because both of those guys who worked at Phoenix Contact kind of had all of this information um, and were, were practitioners. Right. And um, Michael himself, he was a practitioner within uh, within Phoenix, which I thought was was very interesting, right? He's a practitioner in the manufacturer and they manufacture automation and manufacturing tools and equipment, which is just kind of like you check basically every single box when you, when you can do that uh, on manufacturing hubs. So that that was that was super fun. And then uh, earlier in the year, we also had a bunch of great conversations with Miriam and Heather and Ralph and Clint um, k- kind of. Again, kind of, uh, I feel like those were a little bit lighter, more of a bit of an overview with, with different kind of thoughts. Um, I guess I have a bunch of thoughts, but before I kick it over to you, Vlad, kind of my number one thing is, man, there's an awful lot of cybersecurity to learn and know and do. And even sometimes the experts, I think uh, even sometimes the experts kind of fall for the, these these faux phishing traps, right? Like uh, a company sends you kind of like a spoofed email of itself and, uh, and and you click the link, right? Because you're not yep. thinking about it in there. But uh, but no, we can go back and forth. What what are your thoughts? What was your favorite parts of the cybersecurity themes? Uh, I think you know, like again, the comment I made about robotics is that cybersecurity is kind of always in the conversations when you go to any manufacturer or any I want to say like business at this point, right? Due to the cyber attacks we've seen last year and and the prior years, but ultimately. I think for me, it's very interesting, number one, to understand kind of the dangers, right? So when, uh, let's say when I was at Procter & Gamble as an engineer, they would send us mock phishing emails and try to educate us on kind of like better cybersecurity practices. I didn't fully understand what was the liability, right? Like obviously you understand that, oh, if you click the email, you might be sent to a wrong URL, but it's never been truly explained what could happen and what ransomware actually does to a system right and i think like gaining that understanding was first of all very beneficial but also Mm -hmm. it kind of um, reinforces the fact that it is important right so if you don't understand the why i think it's very difficult to get in the right habit or the right mindset to create those stronger passwords and these are just the basics right like this is something i think everybody should be aware of but i think we also we uh, as an industry, don't, in, in my opinion, don't do uh, cybersecurity justice. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of times I would show up to a facility and the switch would just have the default username and password, right? And mm-hmm. it's it's just how we've quote unquote done things. And so that's the, the standard practice. And the first exercise that I would, let's say, perform is just understand their infrastructure from a control system standpoint and mm-hmm. very easily explain to them what some of the vulnerabilities are. So now I, I have a better understanding even what it could do if the system is compromised. And then on the other side, I think we also under, understood a bit more uh, how IT looks at OT and kind of like where that bridge lies and what mm-hmm. we can do maybe not necessarily, you know, because I think there's always going to be this discussion of IT versus OT. Uh, and not to maybe go in that direction, but I think what can we do to help the other team uh, sort of like secure that main bridge over, mm-hmm. so to speak, right? And so now I have a better understanding. We talked quite extensively, especially with Pascal, uh, about what it takes. I think Grant had also mentioned 
some like hardware components that you can install again to deploy a, a firewall a bit easier we talked about like vpns and how they access you know controls equipment we also talked i want to say like very technically and that's that's kind of like what i really enjoyed right how the traffic goes from let's say your control systems to a SCADA that might live on the IT side. So I think mm -hmm. having a, a clear understanding for me at least is uh, very beneficial. So I like those conversations quite a bit. Absolutely, I, I would agree. I think they were really good conversations to have. I feel like every time we got done with one or a group of them, it made me realize how both how much and how little I know um, about cybersecurity and, and and as I joke with uh, with many of my friends who were kind of in that uh, in that group, I am happy to know the correct people to call. Right, like if there's an issue and we can go through the process and say, hey, this is an issue. Um, I, I am happy to know the right people to call. And cybersecurity is absolutely one of those topics that I'm not going to devote the rest of my life to kind of study and practice um, at at a manufacturing systems architecture level uh itot and everything combined so I, I am happy to know the right people who can go do a penetration test um who can go deploy a bunch of tools who can go kind of build a roadmap to help an organization be more secure so I, I absolutely agree i think that i think that that was was a lot of fun um if you guys are listening live if you had a favorite theme or a favorite episode um please feel free to head go drop it in the comment we, we absolutely love to uh, to know what you guys think um i will also uh, say that we are in the process of kind of finishing what, uh, what what 2023 themes are going to look like. We've got eight or 10 or 20 or 30 ideas of what these could look like. But if there's something that you want us to talk about, uh, please feel free to go drop that in the comments and, and we will find the opportunity uh, to, to do our best to have those, to have those uh, conversations. Uh, Vlad, any last thoughts on themes that we did last year? before we kind of transition into interesting ideas and sneak peeks of, of what we plan to do in 2023. Uh, no, I think as you said, uh, Dave, we're always looking for suggestions. I think some of the themes will definitely come back in 2023, mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately we want to be uh, sort of like industry driven and maybe viewer driven, listener driven. So if you have suggestions, make sure to uh, drop us that as a comment. We have a comment from Daniel. Uh, he's saying this is my first time being able to watch any of your live streams. So welcome, Daniel. Uh, again, we are discussing or recapping 2022. Uh, we are looking for suggestions for 2023. Uh, so if you have anything, let us know in the chat. Absolutely. But uh, but let's look forward towards 2023. And if there are some good comments, we can uh, perhaps jump back to uh, jump back to those um, after this section. Uh, so mm -hmm. talking about plans uh, for 2023, uh, Vlad and I have kind of discussed this a bunch. We're going to continue to stay on the theme format. We've had a bunch of really good response uh, when we get to have four kind of similar conversations uh, uh, put together. Uh, one of the things, as I kind of alluded to, that we're, we're going to do or work on doing a better job of is to do some more roundtables, right? So, so we had a bunch of fun doing roundtables. I do a couple. Of, I do some roundtables uh, on some other folks' show, and so I, I always have fun when I'm doing those roundtables. And I always find that they're super fast-paced, and we get a bunch of really good feedback. So uh, maybe, maybe once a month, uh, maybe once a quarter, probably somewhere in between those, we're going to do our best to kind of work in some uh, some roundtables uh, with some different guests in 
order to kind of get everyone's uh, thoughts and feedback um, on particular topics. Uh, Vlad, what what, uh, what are you looking forward to uh, in things that we're going to do next year? Um, yeah, I think that's a great comment, Dave. Uh, Roundtables have been interesting. I think, again, what we've discovered is having like two guests uh, with us would be kind of like the right balance for us. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think like bouncing ideas back and forth is going to be really interesting. Um, the other thing I'm looking forward to, if I can reveal this, it's the live build. So me and you had a conversation about this, I want to say, over the last like three months or so. And so the general idea, without diving into all the details of what we're trying to do, is to create this environment where we would go from uh, absolutely nothing or to some degree nothing, uh, maybe just some hardware and software components that you can get off the shelf and build and solve an actual manufacturing challenge, right? So Mm -hmm. one of the examples that I can mention without maybe the manufacturers yet is if you're looking to monitor energy consumption, uh, part of it, like I've been in these initiatives again at uh, Procter and Gamble specifically, and so I understand maybe what that takes. But ultimately, what me and Dave are trying to do is figure out: okay, if you have the challenge in a facility, how would you approach this, right? And mm-hmm. I, I think we're trying to cover it from a technology standpoint, but not necessarily bore you with PowerPoint slides, but tell you exactly what it takes to implement that. So, what hardware component you would need. How would you monitor your mains? Where would that data go? Can you view it, you know, maybe locally first? But then ultimately, we want to be more ambitious than that and be able to send that to the cloud or to, uh, you know, like an, first, I guess, like an edge solution and then to a cloud, either like AWS, GCP, Azure. We haven't figured out all the details yet, but the idea is to send that data so that it's viewable uh, to that manufacturing site Uh, anywhere in the world ultimately and I think we've discussed a little bit uh, of different applications again we've talked to some of our guests that were on the show this year uh, that have um, a technical background that would help us accomplish this and ultimately the I guess the view that I have of those streams is that it will be two to four hours and they feel free to correct me if I'm wrong it's going to be outside of the normal uh, manufacturing Mm -hmm. hub uh, schedule so it's not going to be on Wednesdays at four it's going to be a different day which is still TBD but ultimately we would go through a complete build from A to Z and me and Dave would also direct the build but also ask the questions right well if I'm a manufacturer why would I use let's say like this solution right and can I make this cheaper for example or hey if I'm going to put it on this cloud service can I view it on my tablet or what would it take to view it on my tablet right so there would be maybe some design questions based on our experience that we will bring in as well to maybe challenge to some extent the the people who are building the solution but ultimately uh to make it more interesting as well uh absolutely so so i'm excited for the live builds um Vlad is by far the most pessimistic of, of any of us as to how as to how well or poorly these will go. And every time I start talking about it, Vlad is like frantically making notes and I imagine crossing them off and then drawing pictures of me with my beard and then just like scribbling through all of it. And then you can see he's pulled some of his hair out uh, just based on previous conversations we've had about the live builds. But no, I, I think it's going to be fun. I think my, my goal is certainly more in that kind of two hour frame and less tutorial, more, how can we get to a minimum viable product? Right. So, so this is a problem we have, or we think we have 
what is the most efficient way that we can either our, ourselves or more realistically with a group of people kind of go build and deploy, not just a, a tech, not just kind of the, the hardware, but how can we go and deploy kind of whatever that stack is to actually solve a problem? And so I think the goal of these builds is how can we solve a problem? And, and our, our thought, our hope is it's going to be fun. You guys are going to be interested uh, to, to watch and listen um, to that. And then we will be able to kind of take that and cut that out into a bunch of different content, uh, both short form. And then also, if you guys want to kind of go watch the live stream of a person working on the PLC and, and figure out what they're doing, uh, absolutely kind of have different streams going, uh, probably not during the fact, but, but the goal, I think, would be after the fact. Um, of that, uh, we've also had conversations of, hey, how can we put together a minimum viable product uh, of OEE, right? We could go spend five years and $2 million going and building out an OEE for a facility or for a packaging line, but can we do it for, I don't know, a few thousand dollars um, over the course of two hours is, is the question. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the answer is yes, but I like to live dangerously. Um and there will absolutely be some uh, some danger uh, going on in those builds be because they're going to be ambitious because it's not kind of canned solutions, um, just kind of connecting one after the other after the other. Um, I think that we're going to be able to pull in some interesting hardware and, and software vendors, hopefully pull in some integration of their technical partners in order to get that up and running. So, so we are excited about that. Um, yeah, we, we are excited about that. We have probably two to four or more ideas of what that's going to look like but if you guys have thoughts on that um please feel free to drop them below if if there is a semi-reasonable thing that that a group of people could potentially do in less than a day um and you and or you guys have a problem statement uh please go drop them in the comments and send me a message and vlad a message um yeah Vlad has plenty of sleep that he can lose over the course of the next uh, week, week and a half of vacation, uh, j just by trying to uh, to work on these problems. Speaking of, uh, you know, in interesting maybe industry news um, and maybe recommendations. So Daniel mentioned uh, a good topic would be soft PLCs, right? And uh, I guess soft PLCs as, as one, but also, Dave, like I wanted to get your opinion on I don't know if you've seen the news from Arduino and Raspberry Pi and what they're doing is they're both jumping into the PLC market. So both Arduino and mm -hmm. Raspberry Pi are, re are releasing PLC or I want to say industrial hardware and maybe John Pillar should be on this call as well because he would certainly have a perspective. That being said, uh, I think the industry is certainly like changing, right? And this goes back to even like our IIoT industry 4.0 discussion. Like what are your thoughts on soft PLCs and maybe some of these new hardware offerings that Arduino and <coughs> Raspberry Pi are pushing? Well, Vlad, I feel like you may or may not be trolling me based on my most recent LinkedIn post that was specifically on soft PLCs. Mm -hmm. um, if you and Daniel are, congratulations. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Um, so I, I, guess, I guess my thoughts on soft PLCs are, are thus. If, if you have appropriate hardware and software combined that, that can work and run, in an industrial environment, then I think it matters less the, the color or flavor of that hardware and software and more how it's programmed, right? So I think that you could take soft PLC software, say Codasys, think you could go run it on an IPC, 
of, of virtually any color or flavor. And it's going to be about as bulletproof as, as most of the PLCs that you're going to go out and buy, assuming you can get the IO and everything like that. Um, I think it's going to be about as bulletproof as anything else. I think that if we go take kind of a, a Raspberry Pi or kind of my example was a computer from the basement that we purchased in 1997 and haven't used in 20 years, there will be problems because we're not marrying the correct hardware with the correct software for an industrial production environment. It sounds like we have lost Dave for just a moment. Hopefully he's able to uh, to come back. But I, I, I certainly agree. Like I said, I'm very curious what the offerings from uh, Raspberry Pi and Arduino are going to look like. I've certainly posted and read about what they're planning to produce and deliver. But I am not... Um, I'm not certain how they're going to enter the market because initially I thought it was going to be the low cost solution to what you see on the PLC side, but ultimately I think they've revealed prices around 200 to 300 euros. And I think that that's ultimately uh, on the same page as we saw from, uh, as we see from Siemens, as we see from um, Alan Bradley, some of their cheaper alternatives. We've lost Dave for just a moment on the stream side, so he should be back in just a moment. Daniel says the i3 CPU, and yes, I was referencing your post today. I have personally not seen Dave's post, so I cannot comment to that. I am not exactly sure what uh, what he posted. That being said, I've experimented, um, at least for myself, with soft PLCs. I think there's a lot of potential in them. I've seen them in smaller skids, for the most part, that being said, there he is. Yeah, I, I um, don't know. Uh, I don't know what happened, Vlad. I was talking. Uh, at some point, you froze, and then at some point, I heard, "Oh, Dave is gone," and I'm like, "No, Vlad, I'm still talking." Uh, but 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 I, I am back. Uh, but no, um, I guess my, my point is kind of marrying the hardware and software is important as opposed to uh, as opposed to kind of taking an in a old computer from the basement that hasn't run in a decade or like a raspberry Pi off the shelf in a production environment. Um, I think it's more important kind of marrying that industrial grade solutions. Um, but in any case, I guess if we pencil in that uh, topic for 2023, I think we can certainly have good conversations around soft PLCs. Daniel mentioned that it was around your post. I have not, I just mentioned, I have not read your post yet, Dave. So I, yep. Uh, my mistake if that was in reference to it. That being said, uh, again, we can have good conversations around it. He also mentioned maybe there's some potential to use that for the energy application that we've just discussed. Again, that's not ironed out. I don't think we have complete uh, picture yet as to what hardware and software it's going to be. And I think we sh certainly should have the conversation around, well, if you're going to use this vendor, why would you use, let's say, like Node-RED versus Codasys versus... Uh, some other software, but I think it's not something we can finalize today. If we want to segment maybe to the next section, Dave, uh, let me ask you, what has 2022, uh, what, how the 2022 go for you? Yeah, overall, I'd say, uh, I'd say it's strange, right? So I, I don't know how we're already at the end 
of uh of 2022 but i would say overall 2022 uh went fairly well right uh w- one of my goals every year for the last i don't know half a dozen years at a minimum is to continue to work on on work life balance and find ways to enjoy doing some of the work i do and then find ways to enjoy doing some of the other things uh there there were times where we did really well uh, and there were times that we did really poorly, but I think to some not small extent that is kind of the, the swing of uh, the swing of this industry. Uh, sometimes there's lots of work to be done, and it's very difficult for me to say no to uh, to some of that. Uh, but but we had some great adventures. Um, if you guys have been following along, uh, we spent the summer up in Alaska, uh, which was absolutely amazing. We had a ton of fun up there. Um, if it wasn't like 20 degrees Fahrenheit and September 15th, we, we probably would have stayed later, but we, we had a ton of fun doing that um, and, and are looking forward to kind of uh, continuing down that. Did a bunch of shows from a lot of weird places, uh, a, a lot of strange uh, national park towns, both in the U.S. and up in Canada. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and I kind of think and joke that I've had some of the worst connections, um, in, in the middle of like major cities or customer sites, some of the best connections out quite literally in the, uh, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but, but as that goes, uh, sometimes, uh, work, work was a little bit up and down, uh, as, as again, how, uh, how, um, industry normally is. But overall, I think 2022 went well. I, I got some time to work on some stuff that I've been wanting to do uh, personally, um, as well as take a look at, you know, what is the next step and phase uh, for me as, as a facilitator, as a practitioner um, within manufacturing and automation. And I am looking forward and excited to what what I am going to spearhead and continue working on in 2023, uh, which we'll talk about a, a bit in the moment. Uh, but Vlad, how did, uh, how did 2022 go for you? I would say that my goal has also been to maybe have a little bit more work-life balance, but uh, I want to say that I've not achieved that goal and if anything, <laughs> committed to even more projects, launched yeah. more initiatives. Uh, I think Solus PLC, if you don't know, I run Solus PLC and uh, that has grown quite a bit in 2022. So I think our website traffic uh, almost tripled. I think we've grown quite a bit. We've hired uh, contractors primarily, uh, a number of people to create content for us. So at least I was able to step back a little bit from, you know, like writing and making videos myself. We have a number of instructors at this point that again, write, uh, create video content and create videos for us. So we've released this year a course on PLC Next, you know, me and you, They've talked quite extensively mm-hmm. about that, but also on MQTT, OPC UA, uh, we've released Siemens content. We've created a FANUC robotics introduction course. So quite a few initiatives have launched um, and maybe you've not heard me talk a lot about them on the manufacturing hub, but mm-hmm. they've certainly been advertised on the Solus PLC website. And uh, yeah, so it's been quite a, I want to say transformational year again, because this is something that I've kind of built uh, myself and and Karim together. And so it's been quite a journey, I want to say, and a very exciting year. I'm looking forward to what we can accomplish next year. Among other things, 
So again, we've uh, also started a new venture or joined a venture, whatever you may call it. It is in the software slash cybersecurity space. Um, if you look at my profile on LinkedIn, you can probably get a little bit more information. I'm not going to dive too much into it, but uh, we are certainly planning to grow and expand that business next year. No, very good. Uh, I think I think all of those are very exciting. I think uh, talking about the balance a little bit, uh, we will throw out that, that you got to go on vacation for a couple of weeks down in Cuba, uh, yes. which is why you missed a, a couple of shows uh, earlier this year. You di you weren't sure what the internet was going to look like, but sadly there was just enough internet to get a whole bunch of messages from you over the course of two weeks, including something to the effect of, man, the internet is not quite good enough to do what I want to do. Also, can you go send me this information because Cuba has blocked uh, Google Drive or, wh or whatever it was that you, that you were looking for. So the only thing that I can communicate through is, uh, is LinkedIn Messenger, which is a very strange way to just uh, completely communicate with Vlad. And then also you got to, uh, you, you are currently out of the office allegedly um and and you get to hang out on the, the west coast uh for for a week or week and a half so I, I would say that those are are absolutely wins uh when it comes towards the the work-life balance if we could just convince you to leave the the office um on a more regular basis at a more reasonable time i i, I think that uh that there are good opportunities to uh, to make it better um next year um, and then I would also yep. say kind of to your point, um, I, I think you and I have had this conversation. I'm not sure we necessarily do a great job uh, updating the folks on Manufacturing Hub, uh, kind of what we are doing. And so uh, we we are looking and talking about ways in, in which we can do that at a more kind of appropriate, um, in a more appropriate situation, because everyone who watches and, and listens along is I mean has generally expressed their interest in in, in what you and I are doing and what Solus has run out uh, rolled out and kind of who we're working with or at least what sort of industries that that we are working in on um, th those are all conversations that that we love to have and so we will commit to as as we go into 2023 uh, finding ways to to have those more appropriate conversations and uh, and keep everyone updated yes and, and keep everyone updated with what that looks like. And speaking of 2023, Dave, do you want to talk us through, you know, what changes you would like to make, what uh, initiatives you're planning to launch, what are you looking to achieve maybe, or some of the goals that you have for 2023? Absolutely. So, um, so, so I, I think I spoke last year uh, when, when we talked about briefly about yearly themes, right? So I listened to a couple of podcasts and their, their goal is to have kind of yearly themes and is to have kind of some bullet points under there uh, of goals and, and initiatives that, that they want to do to succeed. Um, and so me being who I am, uh, went and last year, um, I don't know, I think I had like four pages worth of those things, which, which was a bit too much, right? So, so some things, some things went well, some things went well, I would say, well, just not to what uh, what Dave around 12 months to the date of now, December 21st, had uh, ha had written out. Um, and so as I look uh, for, for what 2023 is is going to look like, uh, again, kind of the the, the goals are, are kind of focus and that, that work life balance. Right. So I want to be able to enjoy the, the work that I'm doing and continue to be able to enjoy that. And I want to be able to 
attempt because I'm not going to say I want to be able to shut off. I'm going to I want to be able to attempt to uh, to more shut off on a more regular basis. I, I feel like any more firm of a verb beyond that, uh, we're just lying to uh, to everyone. Yeah. So. Um, with that in mind, uh, I've got uh, we've got a new kind of mobile office and studio that uh, that I'm putting together. I will go and share pictures after it's not just a complete uh, after it's not just a complete mess. I'm gonna go build out a desk and, and kind of get everything a little bit more situated. I'm excited for that. It'll be the first desk that I have had to work from in like six years. Um, so, so that, that will, uh, that will be exciting to have something that, uh, that is mine and can go with us from, uh, from place to place is, is something that has been a kind of personal, personal, professional goal, uh, for, I don't know, the better part of a year or more. I'm really curious point. to see pictures of that, uh, of that studio. I guess it's inside of, uh, a vehicle. What's mobile home? What, what does that look yeah, like? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we, we have a new, we have a new camper. Um, the, the, the camper is, is what they call a, a toy hauler, right? So we can have all of our outside stuff, the motorcycle, kind of everything that the back flops down, it, uh, it all comes in. And then the back kind of half or so is fairly open, uh, open space, open formatting. And there, there's a space and we purchased this, um, not a hundred percent specifically, but, but with the intent of being able to, uh, go put a desk in. And so, uh, the desk isn't here yet. That is a goal of when I'm done working for the year and kind of during the, the quote unquote vacation time uh, be, between kind of Christmas and New Year's is to go kind of get that installed to get some table legs. I've, I've got some lighting. I'm going to be able to get that up and the, the video cameras and the microphones and all of that stuff. And so it will be situated and I'm excited to kind of have that situated. I will I will be happy to share as uh, as that goes along. Uh, we we are just not to the point. I, I had had other things worked out. I would be kind of five or six weeks further along and be, be fully streaming from this. I, I will um, I will kind of uh, give everyone the sneak peek. We, we, we got down to where we're staying in Myrtle Beach um, late Monday night. And so my, my Tuesday morning meetings uh, were taken. I was sitting backwards on my motorcycle typing on a couple of like Pelican cases, which propped up the uh, the iPad, which I was taking uh, the, the video calls from. It was potentially the least comfortable series of video calls I've taken j- j- just sitting. It was uh, yeah, it was it was fairly uncomfortable because motorcycles aren't meant to sit on backwards, Vlad. Um But no, I, I'm excited about that. Uh, I, I'm excited about that. I am happy to share what that looks like uh, as we get a little bit further. And as I get approval from, uh, from Beth as to, yes, we can go kind of build the desk out of this. It works with the, the, the general uh, kind of um, everything else of, of what we've got going on because, because it, it has to look nice. So I'm excited for that. Uh, probably more excited than anyone who ha- has a desk will be excited for might even buy a desk chair. Cause I am a crazy person, Vlad have not owned a desk chair in, in six years either. So, um, I, I'm, I'm excited, uh, for that to get off the folding chair lifestyle, um, in, in, or borrow chair of, of some less comfortable level lifestyle, um, 
with that um and i will share i will i will share pictures uh kind of through social media as we go about that and then at some point uh january february when, when vlad and i do an update kind of talking about everything that's going on um i, I will be happy to kind of share what uh what, what that looks like on the show and kind of lessons learned um with that uh but no so, so i i um go ahead you, oh, looks like oh, you got oh, a i was question. gonna say i guess and maybe introduce that next point so you've got 2023 travel plans listed yep. under uh, I guess next year, what are your mm -hmm. travel plans? I want to say for leisure, but also are there any interesting like trade shows you're thinking about attending? Are you committed to any of them? Are, are you looking at any of them? What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So, so let me start with, with trade shows. Uh, cause, so, so Vlad and I have had the conversation. I, I joked that Vlad and I had had a serious conversation about every major trade show that was going on in, in 2022. And for a number of reasons, uh, it was just like, nope, uh, ni neither of us made it there. So it, it's my goal to make it to a trade show or maybe a couple of trade shows uh, th this coming year. I will say I would like to go to Automate, but the issue I've had with Automate for each of like the last five or six times they've run it is it's just always in a terrible week uh, for, for my schedule, similar to automation fair. I'd love to go to that. It's just, it needs to be two weeks earlier. Um, it needs to be two weeks earlier. Like automation fair in the middle of November is just too close to Thanksgiving where I always have deliverables that need to be met. Automate is always right in the middle of, I want to go be somewhere else or transiting to somewhere else. Um, but I, I have it currently blocked out on my schedule. We will see where that goes. It is my hope to make it to a trade show or a couple of trade shows this year on the professional side. Um, beyond that, I think our goal again is to head back up to Alaska, um, for the summer. Uh, we, we had a great time there. Our goal is to head back there, uh, th this coming kind of early spring and be able to spend some more time there and, uh, and look at, look at a bunch of, of opportunities, uh, while we are up there. I have a number of, as of yet, no purchase orders, uh, but opportunities, uh, to do some, some fun travel, both, uh, both continentally and uh, an international um that that are coming up in 2023 that look like they should be uh should be a go should be a yes but until i have a purchase order in hand and we, we've committed to a week i i never talk about those but th there's a bunch of uh exciting uh travel plans th that i have coming up um and we'll absolutely uh do do the same job or perhaps a slightly better job uh keeping everyone in the loop as to as to where i am I, I hope to be able to go meet and see more people um in 2023 than i was able to in in 2022 2022 was kind of a a crazy whirlwind thing uh where i spent a, a bunch of time in a couple of places that if you'd asked me a year before i would not think that that i would have uh, would have spent there interesting I'm just looking on, on a side note, Dave, uh, Automation Fair, and I don't know if this is confirmed by Rockwell, but it seems to be scheduled out of the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center for 2023. Looks like the dates are 6th to the 8th November, which, um, again, this is an unofficial website. I just did a quick Google search, so I'm curious... Um, you know, Vlad uh, on the live show quoting the unofficial website. I I well, don't know where. Mm -hmm. uh, I I know it would have been committed to, um the the location, 
that that is typically announced during the previous automation fair. Mm. I don't know where it's it's not something that I have thought of or or considered, but it would make sense coming back to the East Coast. Um, it was in Chicago, and then it was in Anaheim the year before, and I think it was in Houston uh, the year before that. So it makes sense that that they come back to the East Coast, and uh, and Boston would generally check all of those boxes. I have not been to an automation fair in uh, in Boston. I don't know if I've ever been to a trade show, a major trade show in Boston. Yeah, so that's why I guess like I'm curious, you know, what the the locations are going to be. Uh, I think Boston is definitely a lot more reachable for me, but ultimately, I'm also looking at a couple of shows. I think with some of our other like sponsors, and I want to say contributors that we might consider. I think uh, even as far as Europe, but uh, anyways, it's all still TBD. Even in my schedule, I think there's certainly interest in uh, bringing us to some of those shows as manufacturing hub but uh, again nothing has been booked at least on my side i do have a couple of family things to take care of next year so we'll see um we'll see how all that uh, shapes up so to speak so so b- before we move on from the trade shows are we going to commit you vlad to showing up to at least one trade show in 2023 so that someone can tell me you're not an artificial intelligence or are we just going to continue this gambit for the next 12 months I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I mean, everything's possible, right? I think with the right commitments, and again, to be like, we can be transparent. I think with the audience, we've looked into going, as you said, to a number of trade shows as manufacturing hub. Mm-hmm. I think we're certainly interested in maybe continuing those conversations. I think that our strength is primarily in having the conversations and maybe putting together sort of the the social media, the kind of the. Um, again, the conversations on the technical side, but not necessarily on uh, putting the booths together and maybe the logistical aspects of trade shows. And that's the reason why maybe we shied away from, you know, having a, a full-fledged presence. And we know that some of our, I want to say, like counterparts are certainly having those conversations and uh, that uh, there is opportunity there, but we just haven't found maybe the right format uh, for me and you to attend. Yeah. And and I guess I want to throw out there that the the I uh, I hope to make it to a trade show or two are not necessarily committing that we're going to go take the show and the studio and all of that to uh, yeah. to a trade show. It's more of a it's it's one of those things that would be nice to go see everyone um, back in person uh, where, where I don't get to see I, I get to spend and talk to a bunch of people a lot on the internet. Um, I don't necessarily get to go see a bunch of folks. And so historically going to a trade show or a couple of trade shows have always been an opportunity to, uh, yeah, they've always been an opportunity to kind of see the same people and it's nice to see people in person and catch up with them. So I think my commitment is more of a, I think I'm going to go to a show. If there's some opportunity to work with some folks at the show, uh, that would be that would be awesome, right? I think that could be a win-win for everyone. Uh, we'll certainly do whatever we can to bring the show manufacturing hub to a trade show, um, even if I'm just going and, and we can go shoot some kind of behind the scenes and conversations and things like that. And it's not a bunch of interviews or, or anything big and special. I think uh, I think that that's fun. I, I have made the comment multiple times. I don't know if it's been on Manufacturing Hub or not. Trade shows are an awful lot of work, especially if you go there with the intent to go have conversations with customers and then go find the right customers and then go kind of through the entire process beyond that. I tell Vlad when I go to a show, 
it's, you know, two to three days at a minimum of work in preparation. And then it's, you know, a week or so of work during the trade show. And then it's probably a week or more of work after the trade show, because you have to go make up for all of the work that you didn't do during the trade show and then have to go do all the follow-ups and everything else along, along those lines. So, so to me, I look at them as a commitment. And if I find the right opportunities in the right groups, uh, it's certainly worth the the commitment and time. And I think that th this coming year, if only to uh, to see some people and uh, kind of shake hands, kiss babies, that sort of thing, it will uh, it, it will almost certainly happen. It happened for me, uh, kind of bearing some uh, s some unforeseen circumstances. And I will make, uh, Dave, like on that same note, maybe a, a slight like side point, right? We had a conversation around maybe having conversations on Manufacturing Hub around these tangential topics, which may not be around technology, but more how do you take full advantage of a trade show, right? And mm -hmm. that could be as a position from if you're in sales or maybe if you're in manufacturing, you're looking to hire, you're looking to set up a booth, whatever that may be. I think we also had a conversation around doing like a productivity conversation with a couple of uh, mm -hmm. some of our guests and we never really pulled the trigger, but I think uh, it's something that I would certainly be interested in 2023 uh, if more of our audience members are interested in the same, again, it's around not necessarily the technology, but maybe like best practices in manufacturing that I, let's say, would be curious about, right? How do you attend a trade show and make the most out of it? And it's, I want to say like less on the surface level, obviously you're going to meet people, you're going to go to some of these sessions where you can learn about new tools, but how do you uh, position yourself to connect with the right people, maybe to get the most uh, out of that trade show and same on the productivity side, right? I think we're all striving to be better engineers, better managers, better like technicians, whatever that may be. Uh, but ultimately there are, uh, I, I want to say like tools and ways we can learn from people who are a few steps ahead of us. And I think it's uh, good conversations to be had for sure. Absolutely. I think that we to 2023 plans are going to continue to extend the, the type and style of conversations that we are having. Um, yes, I think we're going to it, it go continue to do that. I think uh, to our points earlier, we're going to try some things. We're going to try some things not during normal Wednesday afternoon showtime to, to see what you guys like, right? Like it could be great. It could be terrible. At the end of the day, we don't particularly know until we try it, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like we have a really good core group of, of all the thousands of folks who, who continue to show up to the events and continue to, to watch us on YouTube and continue to do all of this. And so for me, it's uh, how, how if, if you guys are enjoying the conversations we're having about manufacturing and manufacturing technology, I imagine that you're going to be interested in, in the similar topics. Uh, we tell all of our guests, we tell all of our sponsors, I think we've probably said it on the show, we ask super selfish questions, right? Like we ask questions and they are questions that we want to know the answer to. And we've just got lucky because there are thousands of people out there who are interested in also knowing the answer to the same questions. And while we could do it in 20 or 30 minutes, while we could do kind of super focused uh, questions or, or have the same, you know, 20 questions we ask everyone and that we can name the show, let's play manufacturing 20 questions. I mean, th th that is not the show. 
I feel like everyone comes because they can go put us in, in their earbuds and go do whatever it is as we are having kind of a roundabout conversation. And I hope that there are fewer people yelling and screaming at us to ask particular questions uh, because we've, we've missed the opportunity to ask a guest a particular question. Uh, but, but no, we, we, we all, we always have, uh, have fun with it. And so we hope that as we continue to expand that into next year, you guys will enjoy that as well. Good. Perfect. Uh, Dave, any other initiatives, thoughts, uh, launches that you want to do in 2023? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. So uh, as, as I kind of alluded to, I, I spent a not insignificant amount of time. Well, I guess I've spent a, a bunch of time over the last, I don't know, eight or 10 years of, of my life specifically trying to sell solve problems for, for manufacturing and industrial companies. And I've done it a bunch of different ways, right? So I've done kind of point solutions. We've done kind of control panels. We've done kind of, you know, singular pieces of hardware um, all the way to, hey, can we go solve problems by leveraging data in the MES uh, solutions in the OEE uh, ecosystem, and then for me, it became the, hey, these are in theory solving problems, but we're not leveraging or executing on the systems well enough, which led me to the last kind of three years through, through a series of discoveries and, and design sprints. And hey, how can I go get the information from any from a particular group in order to help make sure that we execute on what we're supposed to be doing within an organization and, and leverage that? Uh, le leverage that for, for the betterment of the organization, for the betterment of the workers. And so I kind of took a bunch of that. I had I had a ton of conversations. I read a bunch of different ways other people have done it. And, and I have, I suppose, up until this point, kind of soft launch what I'm calling profit by design. Right. And so the, the goal of profit by design at its core for kind of upper level management is to help your manufacturing or industrial organization run more profitably. Uh, we help those groups run more profitably by building a number of very specific goals and projects in which we say, hey, this project, for instance, is going to save us half a million dollars. Uh, it's going to take $100,000 to go through kind of these five steps in order to do it. And so our net profit on this particular project is going to be $400,000. Um, on the flip side to, to the workers, it's going to basically help management understand the, the nagging problems that, that you're having. Um, and many times I have found that there is a kind of break in communication because the folks on the line understand a problem, perhaps understand why it's a problem and how to do it better, but struggle to, to speak in financial terms. Uh, so a, a, a good example of this, kind of the example that I've been giving is, is I worked with a, a co-packaging organization uh, earlier uh, this year. They, they had an issue where they, they would go kind of run everything through the can line, through the, the, the processing line. And on a regular basis, they would take, you know, 30 to 50 hours of downtime, right? And they would take 30 to 50 hours of downtime because the, the product was not ready to run. Well, kind of whatever liquids they're putting in these, these cans, they were unable to run. And so 
after seeing this for, for a week or a couple of weeks and kind of hearing the frustration over and over again, I went back and I talked to the group who was supposed to kind of have all of this prepared. And I'm like, hey, guys, why does this happen? And it was a function of, hey, the schedule always changes. It was a function of, hey, we don't know where the can line is. It was a function of, hey, quality doesn't come and check it when they're supposed to check it. And kind of the, the end outcome of this is we, we put together a super simple Google Docs dashboard based upon the Google Docs dashboard. We went, we put some signups on there, but we changed the Google Docs based upon what the schedule was. And we provided kind of a group that had this terrible imperfect information with much better information. And while we did that, we kind of slapped an iPad up against the wall to show them where the production line was. And we basically the, the next week saved, I don't know, about 30 hours of downtime that we would have taken otherwise. Um, and, and that for the organization, for the cost of, you know, some development time and a little bit of training and rollout, like the cost was was basically nothing, right? It was a thousand bucks or it was a couple of thousand bucks. And that's the organization was worth about $4 million over the course of the year because it's this huge problem. And as I went and I looked at that, I went and I found, you know, 10, 20, 50 other examples of, hey, I just need to have the right conversation with the correct groups in order to figure out, one, what nagging problems are, like what makes our jobs difficult, two, how much does that cost, and three, how can we solve it and explain it in the way of people are, are willing to go through this process to, to say, to, to change these and to save money or, or make money, um, hence process by design. And so I've kind of built this into to four days of a engagement in which we're going to go find breakthrough, huge amounts of, of opportunity and savings with a variety of different groups. And, and so if I can maybe like simplify it a little bit or ask you a question, Dave. So ultimately, a lot of these groups, at least from my experience, they may have these frustrations that they understand exist. They mm -hmm. also, to some degree, understand that, you know, like what needs to happen to solve them, but they don't mm -hmm. always have the answer maybe or the skills on the technology side to implement that. And they mm -hmm. don't always communicate to the other group like, hey, if we made this process better, this would help us quite extensively, right? They so, sort of like bottle in the frustration and kind of live mm -hmm. with it. And so an yep. outside person is ultimately needed to uncover that, but also to say like, hey, well, we have these tools that exist off the shelf. You don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel or, you know, this is not going to be an SAP deployment over five years mm -hmm. that's going to solve your problem here. Let's look somewhere else. And you as someone who has seen a lot of plants would mm -hmm. come in with that understanding and sort of uh, take a tool from your toolbox and say like, hey, like this will probably help with your communication. You go through a rollout, you figure out, uh, also, not only the technology side, but on the people side, right? Like you audit kind of like what's going on. Is mm -hmm. this working? Is this fitting or what we expected? Is this solving the actual problem and work through with them uh, what the change management, quote unquote, needs to be uh, until it is resolved? Is that is that a correct maybe picture statement? Well, I, I, absolutely. My goal is to find a bunch of opportunities, a bunch of quick wins to work with the people who live uh, kind of on the floor or to work with, you know, the managers of the groups of everyone that work on the floor in order to go solve real life problems in order to kind of help execute on systems that, that should be in place. And I have found huge opportunities with a number of groups, right? Everyone knows what the problems are. We may not know how to solve those problems, 
But the good thing is I've worked with groups who have solved many of these problems, um, if not most of these problems, over and over again. And very rarely is the end outcome going to be, hey, we've got to go deploy the system. It's going to cost two and a half million dollars. It's going to go take three years and maybe, maybe not go make dramatic impact in, in three years. It's going to be how can we go make these breakthrough tremendous results over the course of a few weeks or a couple of months, depending upon what hardware um and everything like that looks like. So it's very much kind of the intersection of operations and operational technology and finding and having the, the correct conversations with the right people and being able to ask the right questions and understand both groups. Yeah, I, I really like that. And I guess, you know, if I can jump in on my side, right, because I think uh, we've seen a not necessarily a similar trend, but I guess like one thing that we've learned from Solus PLC in the last year is that to some degree we've um, we've we've been reluctant to have these conversations, right? And so we've built mm -hmm. a lot of uh, I want to say like training materials that solve a challenge or a perceived challenge. But mm -hmm. what we're looking to do next year is to certainly have a lot more of these conversations and uncover some of the problems. And we've already started. Uh, talking to some of our paying clients and ultimately trying to figure out again what kind of problems are they facing. Uh, I want to say like on the training side, uh, but there, there's a few, I want to say, nuances to that, right? So they're trying to address a lot of issues with their current equipment, but they're also trying to explore new equipment due mm -hmm. to shortages in uh, supply chain. And there was an interesting thread, you know, where somebody commented, well, we've already solved that. I'm a maintenance manager at a facility i don't remember the exact name um and, and you know the solution was like hey you can buy powerflex drives on ebay and it's the the greatest thing uh since sliced bread that being said i think in my conversations at least people are looking at uh different vendors and to your point right they might not always have the right information or the right capability on a lot of these tools and the same could be said about automation right so they might have drives right now that are power flex and they're like they're struggling and again there's a lot of it's a multi-variable problem in my mind right so uh if they're a smaller manufacturer they certainly have a lot less priority uh for these larger oems and so the lead times are going to be a lot greater than if you're a fortune 50 facility right so i think you have different challenges that you're facing and so they're trying to upskill their people on the current technology that they're trying to uh, to hire for and maintain, but they're also trying to figure out some of these alternatives that, uh, you know, their technicians and engineers need to be able to commission and install and program. And so I guess what I'm trying to get at is that we're really trying to have the conversations from a technical standpoint, what are manufacturers trying to, I want to say, um, grasp on in 2023 so that we can provide them with better solutions on the training side, right? Mm -hmm. uh, then the other component I want to say of Solus PLC for next year is getting some more integration and I want to say consulting type of work. So we're also looking to go into manufacturing plants, do better assessments, again, more maybe more on the technical side, but also on the uh, sort of the, the readiness similar to what you've explained side and understand again what they're struggling with and I think again we can discuss this in great detail I think this could be almost be an episode that stands on its own but we see a lot of manufacturers struggle against supply chain 
different technologies that they're trying to wrestle with again because there's just too many flavors now um they're they're struggling to hire people and that's all the way across the board from operators to technicians engineers and management level so i think there's been quite a bit of a turnover and that's one of the reasons why they're trying to automate, but at the same time, they're still trying to hire people. You know, if you bring in more robotic arms into your facility, well, now you need robotics technicians. It's not as easy as just replacing someone stacking boxes on a pallet. Well, now you have a robot stacking boxes on a pallet. So maybe you need one less palletizer, two less people to palletize, but you still need mm -hmm. somebody to maintain and work with that system. So anyways, I guess all that to say is, in uh, 2023, we're certainly looking to talk to our end customers a lot more on the Solus PLC side. We're trying to uncover their challenges and we're going to do our best to, I want to say, fill those challenges. I have a, a system in mind. I'm not going to reveal all the components Ooh. of the system maybe today. Uh, but the idea is, again, I think we have a very large network. We have a good uh, I want to say online presence and we can address multiple uh, verticals or multiple challenges within a manufacturing facility. And we've been, I want to say, somewhat hesitant in 2022 to go after some of these opportunities. But I think as we scale, uh, we might be a bit better suited to, to do just that. I love this, Philip. I, you know, because uh, we've talked about this and, and everyone else can now know that, that I'm very excited uh, to kind of see the continuation of what you guys are doing with uh, Solos PLC. I love kind of the offerings. And as you guys continue to to expand the courses, as I've watched you guys do over the course of the last certainly 24 months, but specifically the last 12 months, I think that this is great. And uh, I know that at least in small part to my pushing and prodding, um, you guys are going to get out there to uh, to go help solve problems, which I am very excited about. I think the burning question for everyone, Vlad, is are people going to go see you on site? Are people going to see? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, that's the plan, right? Like, I, I think we've, uh, we've had a number of conversations over Zoom. I mm -hmm. think now that the pandemic has to some degree subsided, I think it's the right time for us to go out there and see production floors i want to see more in detail right and i've certainly done that work in the past so i think that there's a lot of opportunity for us to continue that work through solos plc and again i think there's something special of you know being able to walk through a production floor understand what they're truly doing what maybe the production flow looks like and be able to identify those problems in person so definitely in 2023 uh, we're looking to make a push in that direction, um, and we're lining up uh, manufacturing plants to do just that. I love it. I, I'm excited. Uh, I hope that I and the rest of our listeners uh, get to go see you out there so we can both see what you can do and also prove that you're not an artificial intelligence uh, once and for all. But no. I love this. I guess I'm excited on both of our plans uh, for 2023. Um, any other thoughts or comments that we should hit before we wrap up this show, the last show for the year? Um, no, I mean, I guess just to maybe summarize slash like put some thoughts for the next shows, I would really be interested in having like more and user slash like manufacturer centered conversations in mm -hmm. uh, 2023. Uh, we are still plotting the themes. We have a lot of different ideas. If you want to send us suggestions, 
Again, if you're watching us live on LinkedIn or YouTube and or if you're listening on the podcast form, you can reach out to us on LinkedIn directly after the show. So all of those notes slash links are going to be in the comments. Uh, always looking for suggestions. Again, we don't have all the answers. I certainly don't want us to paint ourselves that way. So we are looking at uh, you know what your, your thoughts are on uh, the manufacturing hub side. Absolutely. I would agree. Thank you, everyone, uh, for hanging out with us and continuing to uh, to hang out with us uh, over the course of the year. Uh, if you are watching live, we will be off next week, uh, hopefully enjoying spending time with friends and family and, and taking a break uh, from this. But we will be back uh, first Wednesday in January, uh, which should be a fun, exciting conversation to go ahead and kick off. If you guys are listening in podcast form, uh, I hope you are in the middle of wonderful holidays and, and we will see you guys either live in just a few days or back in your earbuds with a full show. Um, oh, two weeks from the, the day that the podcast drops. Uh, but yeah, again, thank you everyone. Uh, I will ask, I suppose one last time this year, if you guys are watching on Solos PLC's YouTube, uh, please hit the subscribe button. Uh, Solos PLC is getting up there uh, close to 36,000 subscribers. If you guys are watching live on LinkedIn, please follow me and follow Vlad and please follow the Manufacturing Hub Network where you can see all of the clips and all of the amazing content uh, that, that we go push out. And if you guys are watching uh, or I suppose listening to us in podcast format, please give us a thumbs up and rate us five stars and hit the subscribe and follow all of that helps for a whole bunch of reasons that I like to joke that this is not the show that, that we talk about uh, what that is. But no, uh, again, everyone, thank you so much for an amazing year for coming to hang out with us. Uh, please feel free to go drop, you know, your favorite show or your favorite uh, theme down below. And if you guys have thoughts, questions, comments, feedback, uh, please go ahead and send all of the positive ones to me and all of the negative ones to Vlad. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Fun. See you next year. See you next year. Take yeah. care.